On this episode of the Ordinary Faith Podcast, I talk with Jimmy and Kaya Roper about becoming an instant family. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Ordinary Faith Podcast. My name is Dan Jackson, and I'm the host here in this podcast space. I'm glad to be with you for another week, for another episode, where we get to continue this process of learning what it means to pursue a life of ordinary faith in God's extraordinary grace. And man, today's conversation uh, is really incredible. Um, uh, my guests are Kaya and Jimmy Roper, a husband and wife. Uh, they're in ministry. Jimmy's a pastor, Kaya's a teacher, but their story uh, is a little bit shocking and a little bit surprising. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to have a mixed race marriage and things that they're learning specifically in this time and things that we see happening in the country, uh, in our world around us. Uh, We're also going to talk about their journey with foster care, which is quite an unexpected one. And I think you're going to be uh, kind of blown away and impressed to hear their story and what exactly they are, are going through. And so we'll have that conversation coming up in just a couple of minutes. You know, if you are listening to this episode as it releases uh, the second week of January, uh, you know that we're coming off of a pretty difficult week. One one of the most difficult things I've ever seen in my entire life. Obviously, uh, what happened on September 11th, 2001 was one of those days that we will never, ever forget if you are alive to witness that. And honestly, I think what happened on January 6, 2021 is another one of those days. It's, it's one of those scenes caught on video that we will never forget the images and what it was like to experience what happened in our nation's capital, capital, <laughs> capital, our nation's capital just a week ago. You know, there are so many thoughts, so many things that I feel like saying, so many thoughts I want to share and so much, so much conversation that I want to be able to have around um, specifically what happened at the Capitol and, and the, the riots and the insurrection that we saw there. Um, and, and so I really had anticipated actually doing an episode just kind of looking at that particular event and, and talking about uh, my perception and how I've been thinking and praying through that as a follower of Jesus Christ and uh, what I believe are ways that we should be thinking and how we should be responding as Christians. But I also uh, want to make sure that I'm doing so carefully and thoughtfully and prayerfully. You know, that's one of the challenges of the online space. Everything is so on demand and really almost demands an, an immediate reaction. And I certainly had my share of conversations with people and I certainly engaged in some different ways on social media. And I'm actually, you know, really looking forward to be able to to being able to dive into that a little bit more in depth here on this podcast together with, with you, with you listeners. Uh, but I also um, want to be careful to be, make sure that I'm doing that carefully, to make sure I'm doing that prayerfully. And so I, you kind of run this tension in the world of, of online media of feeling like you've got to have the hot take right now for people to listen to. But at the same time, uh, to be able to do so carefully and thoughtfully. And, and so that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Instead of just uh, pushing something out right away this week and immediate response, uh, I wanted to give a little bit of of time to myself to, to put those thoughts together. Uh, and because honestly, uh, although what we saw happen felt very urgent and there's an immediate uh, pressing need for truth and for, for light and life to, to be spoken and breathed into what we seeing hap- see happening around us right now, there's a piece of that too where I recognize that part of the response is not new. It's timeless understanding of what the gospel is and who Jesus is. And so in that sense, 
while there's definite urgency to what's happening, also the response, I think, uh, is, is nothing that we shouldn't have heard already. And so I just want to be able to make sure that I'm formulating those thoughts well. And so uh, we'll have conversations about that. Uh, so if you came here maybe hoping for some kind of response, I promise you that's coming. I'm definitely thinking and praying through those things really carefully. I've had some great conversations with friends and with pastors about what it means to, to be followers of Jesus in this present age that we find ourselves in. So again, look for that that conversation, that some thoughts on that to be coming in a future episode. Again, I just didn't feel like uh, rushing to put something together and produce something immediately was the highest need. So to that end, I mentioned today we've got a great conversation lined up. I, I've interviewed friends of mine, Jimmy and Kaya Roper, and again, they've just got an incredible story of faith, obedience, of foster care, and the challenges of what that looks like, uh, but from a pretty unique perspective that I think you're going to appreciate. And so uh, again, I'm going to let Jimmy and Kaya introduce themselves here in a moment. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and listen to this conversation that I was able to have with them. Well, welcome to the uh, Ordinary Faith Podcast, Jimmy and Kaya. Glad to have you guys here. Yeah, thanks Happy for having us. Happy to be this. here, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I kind of earlier in the show gave you a brief introduction, but why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourselves to our listeners? Okay. Kaya, you want to go first? Yeah, I am Kaya Roper. I'm a teacher and a mom and adoptive mom and adoptive grandma and all things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am Jimmy Roper, uh, and I am a pastor uh, at a church in Lexington, Centenary, uh, and I've been in ministry for five and a half years now, and yeah, so I'm, I'm everything but the male version of what she said. <laughs> yeah, and and if you don't mind, just for, for context for our listeners, can t- tell us how old you are, because when you say you're an mo- adoptive mom, adoptive grandma, that's going <laughs> to automatically like... Yeah. People are going to be thinking, well, she sounds really young. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am. I'm basically 12 years old. Um, so I, I'm tw- I just turned 26, um, but we became, um, so we, we wanted to get pregnant early. God, God told us to get pregnant early. I was still in school. It was a really weird thing for him to communicate to us. And I told Jimmy, I was like, God's telling me to try and have a baby. And Jimmy was like, no, he's not. And then God told Jimmy the same thing. And so (laughs) we ended up trying um, and couldn't get pregnant. And that was God's way of telling us to pursue foster care, because that was something that was always in the back of our mind. And um, God just wanted us to do that first. And so we um, tried to get pregnant for about a year and a half, didn't happen. And God was very very clear that he wanted us to do foster care, specifically teenagers. And I was like, God, I really want a baby though. And he was like, um, just trust me. I like, just trust me. And, um, we were super unqualified. We lived in a teeny tiny apartment. Um, I had just graduated college. Jimmy had just started his, um, second ministry position and we finished the classes and, um, we got a call on a, Monday afternoon and um, our agency said, would you be open to having a um, 14 year old and her nine month old son? I was 23 at the time. Um, and we were like, sure. <laughs> and <it was laughs> terrifying because obviously I feel like I'm still a teenager myself. I, I literally had just escaped my teenage years, but we went with it. And on a Wednesday afternoon, Kari and Isaiah showed up and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is which is crazy. And I and we definitely want to I want to unpack that more um, in a little bit. But just to give so to give a little bit of context, how long had how long had y'all been married at that point? Uh, at that point, I want to say so that was 2018 when we got them, right? So so we were married so two and a half years. Uh, yeah. So you've been married two and a half years and then you jumped into foster care. Okay. So yeah. backtrack even backtrack even a little bit further for me. So um, Jimmy, you're a pastor. You, yeah. You're working in ministry. T- tell us a little bit about that journey and kind of how you ended up there. Cause I, I know that wasn't always your life plan. That wasn't something that you were <laughs> like grew up that that wasn't your, your direction always. So how, how did you end up in ministry like this? Oh man, it's, it's to kind of make it as brief as possible. So uh, growing up, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So all right, Lions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were horrible, but let's go. We are. You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was born and raised there. I was playing basketball. I had a lot of scholarship opportunities that kind of fell through. And um, just to kind of give a brief, so when I was 14, I had this pastor come up to me at a youth conference, and well, actually, he called me out of the crowd. And I mean, it was hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of students that was there, and people that Is that was you're there. in trouble. Yeah, I thought like I, I literally was sweating and like it seemed like time just like slowed down. I was the only one moving fast. It was just it was just crazy. And he calls me up there and he asked if my mom was there. My mom, she was there, and he called both of us up there and he was just like, This young man right here is gonna be a, a preacher. And I was just like, Ain't no way. Like, there's no way I'm gonna be a preacher at all. So I kind of did what did the kind of Jonah and the well thing, trying to run away from God and the more and more I tried to run away, the more and more I kept coming face to face with him. Um, so to, to speed past that, I got here to Asbury Coach House. He recruited me uh, out of high school. Um, it was a couple years after high school that he recruited me and mm-hmm. took come down and rested. Like I, ever since then, it was just it's been history ever since. Like I was just like, I'm gonna just go. I'm tired of running away from you, God. Mm. And and he was just like, All right, it's time to do what I want you to do. And Ever since then, I've been in ministry. So, man. So when you when you got to Asbury, you were you pursued a degree in ministry. You were kind of studying for that at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the first semester, I was still kind of iffy because I didn't know the route that he wanted wanted me to take. And then it was just like that next semester, like my second year there. You know, he was just like, "I want you to go towards, you know, just go towards being a pastor." And then mm-hmm. it led me down the student ministry role, and now now I'm the now currently I'm the college pastor now and I just feel like he's continually to open up doors to there's yeah. next. So continuing to refine and, and kind of shape that calling as you as you learn more and grow more and, and yeah, that's man, that's awesome. Um so I, I, I assumed if you were like me, I, I mean I never lived in Detroit. I lived north of Detroit, grew up in central New York. I never ever once gave a thought to Kentucky. Never never, never once. <laughs> ne- Never even really knew where it was yeah. until one day I uh, had a job offer and <laughs> or was looking at ministry and here we are. So I assume as a Detroit boy, you never really uh, gave gave much thought to the fact that you might end up in Kentucky. Never in my life. I mean, when <laughs> I first heard about Kentucky and it being called the Bluegrass State, and I was just like, oh, I can't wait to see some bluegrass. 
definitely didn't see that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, years ago, we were living in Michigan and my wife and I were part of a small church plant there. And uh, we were good friends with the pastor and his wife. And they had kids who were at the time were, I think, in elementary school and, you know, just little preacher's kids, basically. And, and one of them one day said, I, Dad, when I grow up, I, I want to be a missionary. And he's like, oh, yeah, where do you think you would want to go? And he says, Dad, do they need missionaries in Kentucky? <laughs> and I, I don't know where he pulled Kentucky out of, but somehow I f- fulfilled that little guy's calling. So here we are. But <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah. So how, how did the two of you meet and, and get connected? Okay. Well, I, you want to hear my version or, <laughs> or Kaya's version? The true version is that he... We, we better go with Kaya's version. <laughs> the true version is that he slid in my DMs on Instagram. Like nice. And nice. Um, I... We also had mutual friends, so I had reached out to some of the people that he knew that I also knew and was like, who's this Jimmy Rover guy? And they were like, oh, he's the best. Like, give him a chance. Like, he's the best dude ever. And so I did. And um, five months after knowing each other, we got engaged (laughs) and then got married like eight months later. And when you know, you know, right? It's the truth. (laughs) It's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 Kaya's version. So yeah. Well, I now I do have to say, Jimmy. Every every time, every single time I've ever heard somebody mention the name Jimmy Roper, it's always followed by the same sentence. He's a great guy. So um, you your uh, your reputation precedes you, buddy. <laughs> all right. So for, first of all, before we before we kind of come back to the the foster care story. Um, I know listeners can't see a picture of you, but they, they may have picked up on this by now. Um, y'all are a mixed race marriage, right? And so um, in case you all couldn't pick up on that, listen, listen to Nakaya and Jimmy. Um, I, I would love to hear what um, what that was like for you, because if anything has shown us in the last year or two in our country, and honestly, a lot more than that, um, there's challenges with that. And I've, I've had friends who have adopted children who are of different races who have lost friendships as a result. So I'm just curious from your perspective, um, what are some of the challenges that the two of you faced in your marriage? And obviously some of that's going to spill over as parents now, but, but what, what has that experience been like for you? And, um, I, I'd be curious to, to know what the, the conversation that I know you, you've been freely willing to have on Facebook and social media, what, what are some things that you are learning Um, so, um, at the very beginning of our marriage, I'm going to be very transparent here and, (laughs) um, it's hard to admit, right. Cause, um, I want to claim that I've never been racist, that I've never like held prejudice thoughts or tendencies in my heart, but that's simply not the truth. And so I think that has been one of the main challenges between Jimmy and I. So when we were first, um, we were dating, um, we were watching the movie Fruitvale Station. I don't know if you've ever watched mm. it. Um, Is that Denzel? Uh, um, no, Michael B. No, that's right. Michael B. Jordan, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's the story of Oscar, Oscar Grant, I think his name is. Think I'm that, pretty sure so. that's his name. Um, but he was shot um, unjustly at, in, in a, at a train station. So we're watching this movie and it comes to the end and Jimmy's looking at me and I was like, Hey, like he had that coming, like cops don't just like shoot mm. people, like things don't just happen because of the color of people's skin. Like that's ridiculous. I don't understand what you're talking. Like, I, I don't understand. Like I, I, um, 
I very much just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember Jimmy, like grabbing my shoulders and looking me in the eye <laughs> and he was like, you will never know what it's like to struggle to get a job because of what your name looks like on mm. an application. And you're never going to know what it's like to um, be perceived as like a monster because of the way that you look. And it kind of like shook me because again, most gentle, kind, loving person. And he got real, real, real with me for yeah. a second. And so fast forward, um, we're living in, uh, well, he was living in Wilmore. And so I used to go and hang out with him and there were multiple instances of us getting pulled over mm. and like cops coming up and literally just like pulled us over. I was driving, walks over to Jimmy's side of the car, gun or hand on gun and just says, um, are you okay, ma'am? And I was like, yeah. And then he was like, okay, have a great night. Like didn't explain what the reason. And I was like, wait a second. Like, that's not coincidence. Like there's no no way. And then there was another incident where we got pulled over or a cop pulled up behind us because we were sitting in our car at like seven o'clock, um, just talking and the neighbors had called the police, um, saying that we were engaging in suspicious behavior. And so the cops had to come and like, check us out. And Mm. so that was a weird one. And then Jimmy had the cops called on him for walking his kid, his best friend's daughter home from the bus. Yeah. And they just Mm. assumed that since a little white kindergarten girl was walking with a big black man, she was certainly in danger. And so uh, the cops were called for that incident. Like they were just, it was like, we were dating and all these events just started unraveling. And I was like, Whoa, like, wait a second. Like, and so then I started processing and I start reading books, um, white fragility and mm-hmm. the Brit, all these different books that kind of like talk about like the history of everything. Um, but also talk about my contribution to it, my unintentional contribution to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's been really hard because again, you want to just assume that you're not racist. You want to assume that you don't, I'm dating a black guy. I'm married to a black guy. And this goes to like, I'm still processing this. Like last summer, I still was like going through all this and spent most of the summer apologizing to Jimmy and our daughter, Kari. I was like, I'm sorry. I I didn't realize that I was doing that. And so there were just, there's just been a lot of realizations that have hit me um, in terms of like how my privilege um, I don't know, contribute to systemic racism. And it's like a heavy, um, thing to unravel. And so that's been really hard, but luckily Jimmy's been really patient with me in my journey to understanding him and being more empathetic with the struggles that he faces every day. I don't know. It's a lot. (laughs) It is. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's an, that, unveiling as you're talking about of of learning and experiencing and like oh oh wait this is a real thing is I mean that's happening to a lot of people right now in the last year specifically and I remember um my wife and I having conversations and it was post um post George Floyd um when when all the protests started coming out and um there was a, a very distinct difference um as she was watching how churches were responding and the church that we were a part of at the time really did not do a good job responding and 
um, really pushed some conversations between she and I about where we wanted to be. But then she also saw um, another church out in Colorado, watch them address the issue of gospel and the race really, really humbly and with a lot of repentance. And she was in tears. And I think she probably watched that sermon three times and she said, I, okay, I, I see it now and yeah. I'm learning. And so it was, it was really this unveiling that, you know, I've been learning and seeing it more and more, part, partly because I've had some, some friends um, who are black and I worked alongside some, um, some people who were really willing to have these conversations and help me learn along the way. And so I've been seeing it more and more, but certainly this year just has opened, I mean, to a lot of people, um, a lot of us. And so, I mean, as J- Jimmy, as she's talking through this, like this is your wife, Right, you're married. You're dating to. You're dating her, and 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 now you're married to her. And you know, I, I certainly any spouse can knows what it's like to have the, kind of the difference of mindset, different of opinion, difference that that we work out and we we shape and we help. You know, we help sharpen each other <laughs> over yeah. the course of our marriage. This is a pretty significant, different kind of lived experience that you have from your wife. And so as she's starting to understand this. What what are you thinking, and and how are you processing that? Just as, as a husband in that kind of as she's learning through this and as you're helping her. Yeah. I mean, at that, the incident that she was talking about with the movie and like I was talking with her, I was just like, to be honest, I was like, I don't think we're going to last like, <laughs> like immediately. But, but I was just like, no, that's not like, I, I always try to handle things the way that Jesus handles them. Like with hmm. friends. And I, and that's what I was doing. And like, even at, even right now, like she, I can honestly say she knows more about the issue than I do which has been like really awesome and it's been like a couple of stories that she brought up she's like did you know about this and I'm just Mm -hmm. like no I didn't I was just like I've heard of the name but never you know really heard about that before um but I mean just to go back into that like that part right there even dives into like this the systemic racism yeah you know with everything like with the schools and like the learning and all that stuff. And I'm just like, wow, like how much we've been deprived growing up, like from the school systems and um, just like how school, just how poor it was in Detroit, uh, as far as the public school. Um, So like as a, as a husband, it's been great to see her like kind of just step out what she's been doing. Um, I mean, like her social media, like has blown up from it and Mm -hmm. all types of things. And it's just all about getting that, that out there, you know, it's not about like, changing minds or anything like that it's about changing hearts and we, that's that's what she's been doing and a lot of people been opening a lot of people's eyes which has been great um and i think that's what's so like so incredible that i love about our marriage is that of course like she's a teacher and i'm a pastor you know and that's like a very unique situation right there and you know and then like for her to take that with her to schools of course yeah. she, like promote god but she shows it she bleeds it and yeah. You know, that's what it shows on her face, like nonstop. So it's been great to kind of just see that and the way that she shows it by stepping up for like racism and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the two of you just are are really the small unit that have gone through and experienced what kind of as a nation we're experiencing at large. And you've had to kind of address and and understand and unpack some of that personally. And and so just, I mean, I just want to affirm, Jimmy, the way that you've like that that could have been a breaking point of saying I'm out if you if you don't get me I'm out and and yet with grace and humility to to stand with her and help her learn and say hey this matters for you to understand me and and Kaya just for you to um to care that much to to 
I mean, I think so many of us have that initial defensiveness of, no, this can't be, this isn't right. That's not my perception. That's not my experience. And right. so we turn it off, but to do what Jimmy was just describing and how, how you said you, you've poured yourself into learning and understanding, because I think it's that proximity. Um, we just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. we don't know our blind spots. We don't know what we don't know. And so doing, doing the work, so to speak of, of learning and, and trying to understand just makes, makes a world of a difference. Um, Man, I just appreciate you guys sharing that. I, and and I ask because Kai, I know that you you speak out. We you do speak out about that stuff publicly, and and these are conversations that um, re- do reveal and they help sharpen and refine us. And I think that it's really important to talk about um, these kinds of experiences and and differences that really make a difference in terms of what who is the church and what does it mean to live in a, a gospel oriented way. Uh, we can't do that if we're if we're blind. And so yeah. so, so there's been. There's been a great revealing. I think we're all getting some planks uh, removed from our eyes this year, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm in. It's not it's not been an easy year or mm-hmm. many many years, but um, but I think ultimately it's it's what needs to happen. So let me transition. So you uh, you mentioned something right off the bat, Kaya, mm-hmm. um, as you were talking about um, children and and foster. You said you heard from God and then Jimmy heard from God. So I'm curious, um, what, what, what do you mean by that? A lot of times people in the church, they're saying, I don't know. I don't know if I hear from God. I don't know what it means for God to speak to me. So when you say that, when you say, Hey, God spoke to me about having a child, um, what was that experience like? How did you hear from God? Um, to be completely honest, my encounters with God are often through worship and just like my quiet Mm. times. And like, I, uh, wish I could explain it, but it's just like a, it's like a nudge. Like I'll just be like sitting quietly and I'll just feel a nudge. And, um, I felt that nudge to try and get pregnant. Um, when I was still in college and I was like, you're, you're silly God, like really. And then, um, I told Jimmy, I was like, I think God wants us to try and have a baby. And Jimmy was like, yeah, God's really silly. And then, um, (laughs) one day Jimmy came home and was like, I think, I think God wants us to have a baby. It was just, um, it's just a nudge. I don't know how to describe it other than that. It's just like something that was laid on my heart that I was thinking about consistently and it wasn't rational. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's what, that's what, um, often, um, indicates that it's something from the Lord and that this is beyond me and same for foster care. Like he, he was very clear with, with me that he wanted us to do teens. And I was like, please don't make me do a teenager. Like Mm. I am a teenager myself. Please, like, please don't, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do any age. Please don't give me a teenager. Um, but ultimately, um, that's been like, Kari has been the biggest blessing to our lives and her son Isaiah has been the biggest blessing to our lives. So I feel like, um, ultimately it's like those, those quiet nudges in my prayer times are where I hear from him. And they're almost always things that are like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just the type of person that I'm like, okay, like let's yeah. do it. And Jimmy's the same way. He's yeah. like, even more so than I am very much like God will take care of it. God's got yeah. it. Like, full confidence. I'm yeah. like, okay, God, I'll do it. But like, and then I'll stress about it a little bit. Um, Jimmy's just like, God's got it. Like we're going to be great. 
No. Yeah. And I'm sure anybody on the outside looking in, anybody listening would say, yeah, that absolutely is crazy. <laughs> Bringing in a teenager who is some, what, 16, Kari, when, when she came in, was that no, correct? she was 14. She was 14. Came. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're in, and you all, you all are 20, 23 and um, yeah, early, early mid 20s. Yeah. Just graduated college. Just, like just, I, we got them in September and I just started my first year of teaching in August. So like, hmm. It made absolutely no sense, but God has been like crazy faithful, wildly faithful. Yeah. yeah. And like that's not, I think that's something too that like, uh, that she like forgot to mention was that, you know, that's what we wanted. We wanted a baby. Like that's what we wanted to foster. That's what we wanted to adopt. And like, that was what our heart was like set on. And like, that's what we kept praying to God. And, you know, God says that I will give you the desires mm-hmm. of your heart. Um, mm-hmm. But also you have to think about it too. You got to read the fine print. So you always have, also have to know it's like, yeah, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, but you also got to do this too. And mm-hmm. that's what he kept telling us. Like, you know, I want you to have a team. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a teen and her son. So you're going to get <laughs> and grandparents yeah. one day. Um, so that's, so that's, so that's just amazing. Just seeing like God's hand at work in that, um, just to know like, he will give you the desires of your heart, but yeah. And how old was Isaiah when, when he came? Was he just an infant? Yeah, he was 10 months. Yep. 10 months. Okay. Yeah. So 14-year-old with her 10-month-old son come into your house. Y'all are newly married, been married just a couple of years. You're early to mid-20s. And, and a lot of people at that age start to have children, but they don't start to have 14-year-olds and a children. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, it, what's, what's funny, though, Jimmy, is my wife and I, um, you know, years, years ago, um, about six, seven years ago, decided that we felt that um, conviction to, to do foster care. We had started talking about adoption and, and stepped into foster care, um, just kind of out of honestly, just obedience. It wasn't like a calling. We just felt like that was, we were being obedient to that. And as we were filling out all the, all the paperwork about what age group do you want and all that stuff, I was, I was pretty adamant with Erica. I said, Hey, I don't, I said, we can get a kid that's maybe our, our kid's age. So like somewhere between four and 10, something like that, some, a child. We're not ready for teenagers. And we, I, I said, I'm not going back to babies, uh, no more diapers. And yeah. our, our first and only, well, not only, but our first placement was a, a newborn baby that we took home. And <laughs> um, he's, he's still with us today, six years later. But awesome. yeah, so God, God sometimes knows what we want with before yeah. we do. But I didn't realize that was a part of your story. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what were some of the challenges initially, um, as you bring in this, this, uh, girl and, and her son, um, what just, I know you probably, I know that you could go an hour or two with all the challenges, but how would you highlight like some of the, um, the moments of what that was like transitioning to this new family structure? Yeah. For, I think for us, the very first thing that comes out of our mind is that, um, she was neglected, like growing up. Mm. had both parents and barely had her mom uh, in her life really much. So it was really hard for her to understand, like, uh, not boundaries, but like the the rules that we had in the house. And it was Mm -hmm. hard for her to understand, like, you know, we had her best interests at heart. Like we, we was in her corner, we was her biggest cheerleaders. Um, But we also had to let her know, like, there was consequences to a lot of stuff that she would do. And she never really understood that. It took her a while to kind of understand that and get the gist of like, oh, wow, Kaya and Jimmy really do like love me. They really do love my son and they want us to be here. And, you know, that was one of the things that we had to kind of like deal with mm-hmm. was like letting her know those things and just keep her, you know, accountable of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing on 
14 years of experience. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that doesn't, that takes a lifetime to, to sometimes learn, um, to, that trust and, and those things. Yeah. yeah. Kai, what, what, what would you say maybe some of the initial challenges were? Um, I think, um, so like Jimmy said, her mom, uh, lost custody of her at age three. And I feel totally comfortable saying this because Kari is incredibly open about her story and we made a video on it. It's a great video. I'll have to mm. send it to you. It's so good. Powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, uh, her mom lost custody of her when she was three. And so from that point on, she just bounced from relative, Man. relative to relative. And, um, so she never really stayed, um, with anyone for more than like maybe a year. Mm. Uh, her mom passed away when she was 10, um, to addiction and, um, that wrecked her. And she started running the streets of Cincinnati at age 10. Um, and for two years was just, you know, all over the place. Um, she got pregnant at age 12 and her aunt said, you can either have an abortion or you can go into foster care. And at age 12, um, this girl had the courage, um, and the strength to say, well, I guess I'm going into foster care. And so, um, she went to AGC up in Nicholasville and that was the agency that we happened to be working with. And, um, so she just never really had, um, anyone, anyone stay like, no, I don't think that she ever had like adults in her life who, um, wanted to like fight for her and like Mm. fight for her to like, just remain like, Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, I think our biggest struggle was just showing her despite her pushes. Cause that was, that was what she did for the first, um, year pretty much, um, was push and push and push and break rule after rule after rule. Um, just kind of waiting to see when we were going to be like, okay, we don't want you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it took a solid year for us to get it in her head that no, like we're, we're sticking with you. Like you're not getting rid of us. Like we're, we're here for the long haul and we're not going to just like like quit on you. And so I think that was the main struggle was just earning that trust and um, just ultimately showing her that we were here to stay. (laughs) She couldn't, she couldn't get rid of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, you know, parenting is hard period. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. And so, and you're, first time parents in an incredibly unique situation. Um, what, what was like, how did you make it through? Like, <laughs> how did you have strength and patience, you know, cause we all need support. And, and so what was your support structure? Like, what was, you know, I, I'm just curious as to h- how did you make it through that year? Um, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. I did it. Um, yeah. truthfully, Um, And Kari would tell you the same thing. I was not the mom that I am now um, when they first came into our lives. And that first year was rough for everybody because again, Mm -hmm. I was, I was learning. So Kari, while I was watching Kari kind of grow into our family, she was watching me kind of grow into Mm -hmm. the role of being a mom. And that was scary Um, and luckily she is incredibly intuitive and incredibly like open and transparent. So we sat and we talked and we talked and we talked and we blow up and then we talk and we talk and we talk. And, 
Um, there were moments that were really ugly to the point where we um, ended up going to therapy a couple mm-hmm. of times um, and just like had like full family, like all of us were there yeah. um, to talk about things that have been said. And so the answer to be completely transparent, we, di- we didn't do it right. We didn't have it all together. Um, but I, ultimately at the end of every argument, you know, I would have the humility to go into her room and sit at the edge of her bed and be like, I'm really sorry I failed in that moment or vice versa. She would have the, the humility to come into my room and say, you know, I'm really sorry for talking to you that way. I know that I hurt you. Like she's very, very, very mature for her age. Like her, um, she's very emotionally aware of herself. And so just that communication, I think was everything, but yeah. Well, I mean, I would go back. I would change a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Um, but that's, that's parenting, even with like a newborn, like there are things that I would have done differently with our biological daughter, you know, have had the chance to go back and, you know, change things. I think it's just like a, it's a growing process. Parents don't have it all figured out when they first start out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. And I, I would, I would say, you did do it right. I mean, you didn't yeah. do it perfect. N- none of us ever do it perfect. We, we always learn and grow, but, um, to, to be able to go through that with humility, um, with commitment, um, and just really owning that. And we always grow. And there's, there's definitely things as a parent, I look back on and regret the way I handled my, my kids in certain circumstances. But, um, but if you can go and you can, like you said, own those faults, sometimes, sometimes the most powerful thing as a parent we can do to our children is to go in and apologize, especially, especially when they're older. But certainly, I mean, I've even done that with my Matthew, who's six now, I've had to go in and learn that it's okay to apologize to my kid, no matter what their age is to say, Hey, daddy didn't handle this the right way. And I want to be better than that. And here's, here's what I'm committing to and what I want forward for, for our relationship. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's awesome to hear that from you guys, because I mean, parenting, and like you said, parenting a child first time is always difficult. Um, but you're, when you're jumping in as a foster parent, and then especially a foster parent of somebody with, with Kari's life experience, there's so, there's so much extra nuance and challenge with that. And just to see how far you've come right now is incredible. So um, you're, you're, she's officially adopted, correct? We're, this close. We're, this we're, close. We're, I knew we were getting there. Yeah, we're in the final stage. We're waiting for the court date. Um, like all the papers have been signed. All the, the lawyers have been going back and forth. We're just waiting. This whole pandemic kind of put us at a halt. Um, yeah. The court date type stuff. So, um, yeah, that's we're just waiting for that. We're, we're right there, though. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you are just on the precipice. I mean, you, you've been acting. You've been fostering. But, yeah, to have a... <laughs> I have a teenage daughter who is uh, six, 16, 17 now. 16 now, yeah. 16 and and Isaiah's three almost, right? He just, just turned three. Just yeah. turned. It's <laughs> incredible. So yeah. So what are I mean? How is I mean? I think we can imagine the challenges of that. What have you learned about God? Mm. Mm. I think the I think the number one thing that comes to my mind is the fact that that He keeps His promises. Um, you know, mm-hmm. while we named our baby girl, our biological uh, baby, mm-hmm. her name is Promise, and she's one years old. Um, after There's the dogs. <laughs> I was going to tell you, wait, I was expecting those dogs at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they just came in. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was, that was like the first thing that we, that, 
that like I I picked up was that he keeps his promises and you know that's what our baby girl our biological her name is Promise and um, that was something that we always constantly knew that you know he was always no matter what no matter what we was going to go through that his promises was going to always be kept hmm. uh, and it's it's just been awesome to see that to see his hand and see him walk with us in every step of the way and knowing that you know we keep the faith and you know he he handle all the rest. Yeah, I think um, you always hear the quote, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like so cliche, but it is the like realist statement when it comes to our story, at least. Um, Just in, in the sense that I... Jimmy and I both were incredibly unqualified (laughs) to take in these kids. Um, and God has just taken us and molded us every day and, um, has been super faithful in that and grown us in ways that I never, ever expected, given me patience that I never, ever thought that I would have. Um, and so I, I believe that in my core that God calls us to do crazy things that we don't think we're like, surely he's not actually calling me to do that. Like yeah. he must got the wrong number. Like that's not, I, I'm not the one you're actually talking to, but in all reality, no, he is. He calls us to do wild things. And it's because he's capable of um, giving us the strength and the patience. Cause ultimately what we've given Kari um, in terms of love and patience and um, humility, none of it is from me. None of it is like of my flesh. Like I am not capable of loving that girl the way that I have. It has a hundred percent been the Lord and the Holy Spirit through me um, giving her what we've been able to give her. And she has grown um, a ton. She's now she's got all A's and like one B and she's got a job. She's been working at Fazoli's go see her at Fazoli. (laughs) She's a met. I mean, she's driving. She, I mean, she's an incredible mom. She's just, she's, we've seen a lot of success in her and I did, I wouldn't have expected that based on that, those first six months to a year. So yeah. It's funny as you're talking there, just that, that idea of being qualified versus called, I'm just, uh, it's brought brings to my mind the, the scene in in the book of Acts after you know Jesus has ascended and he's given the disciples a mission and when they're first kind of filled with the Holy Spirit and they go out you have Peter and John who are healing people and and preaching they're brought before the religious council and you know they're just they're just saying talking all about Jesus and you know, you know the religious leaders look at them and say hey these are ordinary unlearned uneducated like these are just regular people but we can tell they've been with Jesus. Mm. And that's what I love about you guys and your story and, and, and how you're living your family. We can look at your family and say, man, that they've been with Jesus because mm. of, because you're living in that kind of obedience and your life, um, your life is e- exemplifying that kind of faith and boldness. And, and people, people can look at it and say, we don't understand. People can look at it and, and have whatever thoughts that they want. But it's hard not to it's hard not to look at you and say, hey, I whatever's going on there, they, they've been with Jesus. So it's I mean, I just I love hearing that. I love to hear how well Kari's doing. I love seeing all the pictures of I see here running around uh, on Facebook. So keep posting those. Um, last question for you, and then I'll let you go kind of do the parenting thing that you all need to do tonight. Um, so 
I always love to ask people something to talk, tell me something that's good. Where are you finding delight? Because part, part of what I love to see in this, have, have these conversations for is the idea of ordinary faith, that, that God is working in the big decisions like oh, the leap of faith to, to do foster care, but also in the everyday ordinary things. So sometimes it's a song lyric. Sometimes it's, I just watched the show and it was awesome or uh, whatever it is like right, right now, where are you finding joy? Where are you finding delight? What's good? Um, Kyle, I'm going to let you go first. What's What's good? good? Um, I think, um, again, going back to um, our kids, my kids are everything at this Mm. point, you know? Um, And so what's good are, are, it's, it's them. They're Mm. just the success that I see in Kari and then we've got our um, biological daughter, Promise, who hmm. I got pregnant with six months after getting Kari and I's ears. So like ridiculous, but won't God do it, right? Won't he do it? Um, <laughs> he, um, Promise is just she's a blast, and I's yeah. ear is incredibly fun. And he calls me Nana, and I love hearing him call me Nana, and I love hearing Kari call me Mom, and I love hearing Promise say Mama. Those are like. My favorite. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Jimmy, what's good with you? Yeah. Yeah. I would have to kind of piggyback off of what she said. Like it's been, it's definitely been our family uh, just seeing Mm. home to them after a long day at the church or something like that. And um, just being with, with students, because I'm with students like 24 seven and I'm with my coworkers 24 seven, but it's, it's never, you would think that I would get tired of hearing kids and playing with kids and all types of stuff, but it's a joy to come home and walk home and seeing mm-hmm. all the kids and seeing their smiling faces. And uh, it's just been amazing too, like just the growth in our marriage, uh, just mm-hmm. like the covenant that we've had. It's just yeah. been really great to seeing God in the middle of that and like through it all, through all the chaos and the craziness and all the stuff that's, that's going on. I mean, between us being, me being black, she's being white and all the types of stuff. It's just amazing to see like God still sticking together with us um, in the midst of it all. So uh, I would I would have to say it's, it's definitely definitely my marriage and kids and yeah, it's re- it's a real joy and I, I love my job too. So it's it's been really good, really good. <laughs> Man, you you cut you covered everything there, buddy. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> and I just I mean I I so appreciate it. And I love just seeing you guys. I mean I can feel you're smiling on the screen and how much you just ha- have a love for for the Lord and what he's doing and, and, um, can tell that you are on this, this ride of obedience and, and that you can see like y- you've gone through the difficulty, you've embraced the suffering and God has given you the, the desires of your heart right now. And you can see it all over your faces. So, man, I, I just appreciate you guys. I love, love your willingness to, to be faithful to what the Lord calls you to. And I love your openness to be willing to, to share, uh, just share your story with us here and the listeners. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. It was great. It was great. Thank you. I told you, I told you their story was, was a pretty unique one. Can you imagine uh, becoming a first time parent at the age of 23, not to an infant, but to a teenager. And and at the same time, also becoming essentially a grandparent and just kind of, uh, it just overwhelms me just thinking about it. And yet understanding the incredible learning curve that Jimmy and Kaya have had to go on uh, just sounds like they've embraced it with such grace and such humility. And it's really a joy to be able to watch them on social media. So I'm 
going to link to some of their profiles uh, in the show notes here because, again, Kaya has mentioned she's pretty open and honest about about things, about her journey and about her family. And so if you follow her at all, you'll be able to just kind of see their story and see pictures of their incredibly cute children on there. So I'd encourage you maybe to, to check that out and see Kaya and Jimmy at work in real life a little bit closer. And of course, if, if you found this episode encouraging in any way, I, I, I just invite you to go ahead and share that. This is a great episode that you can send to a friend or throw up on your Facebook feed. You know, we all need a little, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of good news right now. And so Kaya and Jimmy's story, I'm sure, will bring smiles to some people's faces as well as maybe a little bit of positive challenge, maybe a little bit of encouragement for whatever uh, people might find their their stories in right now. So go ahead and share this episode. And I, man, I, I know I ask this periodically on a regular basis, but when you raise and review this episode on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. It really does help push and, and keep this episode in front of as many people as possible. So if you wouldn't mind just to take a moment uh, to go into your podcast app and leave a rating and maybe even type in a quick review there, that would be awesome. We'd really, really appreciate that. I think that about does it for today, friends. Until next time, remember, all it takes to bring heaven to earth is ordinary faith in extraordinary grace. 